Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Right, Claire, come on up. Bring us the word. Let me just pray for you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just lift Claire to you right now as she comes to bring us her message this morning. And Lord, I know it's one of encouragement and it's been downloaded from you into her heart to bring to us. So may it reach those that it needs to reach and may we leave here enlightened by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thank you, Kathy. And I just want to say before I start, Dorothy, just wow, thank you for bringing that to us this morning. And it's touched my heart because I actually went to school in Kozel, primary and senior school. So that is, I believe, an indication from God that he wants the Rock Church involved. So yeah, so let's get behind it. So thank you so much, Dorothy. I'm going to get on my message now. I've got to remember I'm not leading. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. And I'm going into everybody online. It is such a blessing to be back behind the pulpit this morning. I'm normally at the evening service, so I'm loving being back here with you guys this morning. So, I'm a dreamer. I have the most vivid and bizarre dreams and often wait wondering what on earth it all meant. And I have a recurring dream about not being able to get to a particular destination. Often these occurred when I'm a bit stressed or a bit worried or anxious about something. And my dreams are often set in an airport where I can't get to the boarding gate. Oh, can you imagine not being able to get to the boarding gate when you're going off on holiday? Does anybody else have really bizarre, crazy dreams? Yeah, I'm don't, good. I'm glad me and Kathy and Di have crazy and bizarre dreams. <laughs> because it is really weird when they happen. You wake up and you think... What was all that about? And this boarding gate one, it really, really bothers me. Now, experts don't know why we dream and where dreams come from. However, the prevailing theory is that they help us to analyse memories and they help us to rehearse for various life situations. Now, I'm a bit worried about my recurring dream because I'm going to New York in April and Edinburgh in May. And I'm a bit worried that I'm not going to be able to find the gate. So will you please pray for me that I get on that plane and I get on my trips? I'm also a daydreamer. I always have been, and I always will be. I was that little girl at school, in primary school, where my teacher would be like, Claire, come back into the room, come back into the room. But I'm just daydreaming. I daydream all the time about all sorts of things. And as a little girl, I dreamt of the wonderful husband I would share my life with one day. The big white wedding, perhaps. The beautiful dress that I was going to wear and the children I might have as a result of this wonderful union. I dreamt of becoming a nurse. It was my heart's desire. And help, I just really wanted to help people. I wanted to touch people's lives. Because as a little girl, I had a serious heart condition, and it was corrected by quite big surgery. And the time spent in hospital nurtured this dream. It was my focus as I grew up. And the wonderful thing was, was a nurse that always took care of me that when I was in hospital, she was called Claire. And she was my absolute idol. She was somebody that I wanted to emulate. But sadly, the reality of my dreams didn't ever meet my expectations. 
my marriage failed. I married for the wrong reasons and I married the wrong man. My dream of having children, I had multiple mis miscarriages before giving birth to my wonderful son, Harry. And the dream of having a big family after Harry crashed and burned as I was rendered infertile after a very late pregnancy loss. I lost my little girl late into my pregnancy. I started training to become a nurse, but life situation diverted my path and my dreams were left unfulfilled. And it all left me feeling lost, barren and deeply scarred. And I know I'm not on my own in that, not maybe in the situations that I've faced, but sometimes life just hits us with sucker punches. I wonder what dreams this morning that you have had that have died. Do you feel lost today without purpose? I wonder, have you stopped dreaming? Now there's good news. This isn't going to be a depressing message. This is going to be a motivational message from God, an encouragement to you that no matter what, there is always good news because God, he's a restorer, God is a redeemer, and God is a resurrector. You might feel that the dreams that you once had are lost and long forgotten, but I really believe that this message that God put on my heart in February of this year, dreams are going to be resurrected and new dreams are going to be born. Can I get an amen on that? So this morning, church, friends, online, whether you're joining us for the first time, whatever it is that has been lost, I dare you, in fact, I double dare you to dream again. And I think one of the best things we can do to make our everyday lives better is to dream big, bold, faith-filled dreams. You can dream about what the future holds, about what new things you can accomplish with God's help, keeping in mind that God's word says, that he can do much more than we could ever imagine or dream. And I know this because it says it in his words in Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything you know, far more than you can imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He, does, he doesn't do it by not pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Because the capacity to dream is the part of the image of God and I suggest to you this morning that dream dreaming is a byproduct of a spirit-filled life. Show me the size of your dream and I will show you the size of your God. It's time to dream big, pray hard and start to think. Imagine with me for a moment, a cool, crisp night. There's a picture about to come up of a skyscape. The sky is clear and a myriad of stars a twinkling back at you. You stand. Just imagine it. Shut your eyes. Just imagine the sky, the night sky. The sky is beautifully twinkling the stars. You stand just you and God. You think back for a moment for some of the times you've spent with God in your devotions and prayers. You remember when God promised you that your family would be all that God created them to be. There would be health, prosperity, and your descendants, your kids, would be a blessed generation. Then you come back to the reality of today. Maybe your kids are still struggling. Maybe they are struggling right now. We don't live in an easy world. There's always something potentially that comes against them. Our kids don't always do what we tell them to do. 
I brought a boy up to the age of 22, and my goodness, when he was a teenager, he never listened to me, ever. He pushed against me, he went his own way at times, but still, he came back to me, but there was a struggle in that. Maybe your marriage isn't what it ought to be. Maybe you're struggling together. Maybe you're coming against each other. Maybe you're coming away from each other. It's disappointing and you're crying out to God. Maybe your life feels like it's in tatters this morning. Maybe you've had a massive disappointment and a dream die and you don't seem to be able to get yourself out of it. And this was all before that time that you did your devotions and you sent up your prayers to God in faith, asking him for help. We've just entered the life of Abraham. You see, Abraham is a, a biblical character where God asked him to trust and there was a promise that was given. It was a years earlier that God had promised an 80-year-old Abraham that he would be the father of nations. Yet still, there was no son. He was leading people, but there was no son. Now, can you imagine this old Abraham standing outside the mouth of his tent, gazing at the stars and waving his fist in the air, saying, Lord, is this really going to happen? Lord, when I heard I would have a family, was that really you? I know I've had moments in my life like that, and I know that there are others with it. I believe it was you, but what happened? Why don't I have a son yet? Lord, you promised. You promised. Can you hear the desperation? I've been there. Lord, you promised. It's, you know, it's a heartfelt cry out to God. But despite all of Abraham's ranting at God, faith would build in the heart of Abraham as he continued to dream for the promise that God had for him. And as we learn, as we're going to read, if you turn to me in Genesis 15, 1 to 5, I've gone old school this morning. It's not coming up on the screen. I'm actually reading his word from my Bible. So if you've got it with you, if it's on your phones, please follow along with me. And this is what God said. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the Lord of the word came to him, that man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took Abraham outside, as we've just heard, and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall be your offspring. So, you know, this is what the Lord said to Abraham. It was a promise given. Now, let's have a look at the perspective of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, Sarah in her 70s had lost all hope of providing a son to Abraham. And we're going to read her perspective in Genesis 16, 1 to 4. Well, I'm going to read it. You're going to hear it. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord had kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Dodgy. Perhaps I can build a family through her. 
Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Wow. So a baby is on the way. But it's not the baby that God promised both Abraham and Sarah. Sarah's weakness was that she struggled to believe in God's promise to her and attempted to work out problems on her own without consulting God. Who can relate to that this morning? That when maybe not sort of sending your hubby to to sleep with another woman to have a baby, I think we'd need to have a really, really good chat about that. But it's, you know, there's many, many situations, isn't there, where we don't keep God in our plans. I wonder whose fault camp you fall into when our dreams don't come to pass, Team Abraham or Team Sarah? Now, I for sure up until a few years ago was a Sarah. There's no doubt about that. I pushed doors that shouldn't be pushed and I tried to do it my own way. But honestly, that way of thinking brought me nothing but misery. And they say that the Old Testament isn't relevant today because it truly, truly is. It gives us great life examples to follow. So when Abraham was 86 years old, the maidservant Hagar, the woman that Sarah had given to Abraham to, to get the child, she bore Abraham a son, Ishmael. Sarah provided Abraham with a son through Hagar, but, but it brought her nothing but misery. The boy, you see, he wasn't hers, and the maidservant became her rival. Sarah even tried to send Hagar out to her death when she was pregnant with Ishmael. She sent her into the desert to die because she knew that this wasn't going to go the way that she wanted it to. But an angel of the Lord sent Hagar back to the camp for her to safely give birth. And she did it on another occasion. She really tried to scupper what she set in motion. Now, I know we're not all going to try and go out and get somebody killed. Again, we'd have to have a very good conversation. But this is what it was. This was a clear message that this baby was on the way. Now, years passed when Abraham was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to him and repeated his promise again that Sarah would bear him a son and that Abraham would be a father of many, many nations. There's a really big message here, isn't it? That the Lord is being repetitive, that he's telling him, I'm going to come through for you. Bear with me, I've just lost my place. So can you imagine at the age of 99 to be told you were to be a father and your wife of 90, 90. I had a baby at 27 and that was hard enough. You know, (laughs) yeah, every lady in the room that's had a baby can go, yeah, yeah, I'm hearing you, Claire. But can you imagine being 90 years of age, not just the pregnancy, but the birthing process and then taking care of a child at that age? Now, the birth was foretold by three angels who stopped by Abraham's settlement on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I was going to read this scripture, but I think it may take us over time. But they, literally, they spoke to um, Abraham and they foretold him that a baby was going to be born. That this time next year, when I pass by, your wife will have a babe in her arms. Now, Sarah laughed at this when she heard this conversation. And the Lord was slightly annoyed with Sarah. And he said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? 
because she didn't, you know, he was like, what's going on? I keep telling you guys that this baby is coming. It doesn't matter to me that you are 99 and she's 90. There's a baby coming. You've got to believe. You see, Abraham asked her, why did she laugh? And she denied laughing because she was afraid. She was still in doubt. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? Let's be honest. At 90, somebody says you're going to have a baby, you'd be pretty much in doubt. Somebody tells me at this age, I'm going to have a baby. I'm like, no, thanks. I'm not having another baby. One was enough. Thank you, Lord. Uh, 34 is definitely not old side to have a baby. Thank you. <laughs> if I have a baby now and I meet my hubby, it's all your fault. <laughs> so I've got three points that we're going to have a look at. God-given dreams will glorify God and they will help people. God-given dreams are not about me and they're not about you. They are not about us. They do not demand credit or our names in the spotlight. God-given dreams ultimately do something to draw people closer to God. They require us to develop our character and competence in order to be fulfilled. Simply put, just because we have a dream does not mean that we are mature enough to accomplish it yet. Yet. It takes growth. It takes mentoring, evaluation, and adjustments along the way. How many of us on our walk with Jesus have had him adjust us along the way? Because that's what he's about. He's about us being the best that we can be for him. God-given dreams would require us to develop our character, as I've just said, competence and commitment to him. These, these dreams, they need to be watered, nurtured, cared for, and worked on in order for them to come to pass, for them to bear fruit. And not just fruit that's going to die, but lasting fruit for him and the kingdom of heaven. that's what God does. He puts things in seed form. They require us to begin with what we already have. And the principle is this, be faithful in the little. You know, I have served everywhere in this church and that doesn't make me a super Christian, but God trusted me with a little before he gave me a lot. God-given dreams are not about what someone else will give us. It's about how faithful we are in utilizing what God puts before us. And that's not just in the church, that's outside of the church. If we're, not, if we're going to be great Christians that are going to work for God, we need to take that love out into the world because it's a dark world out there. The world is in crisis and the world needs you. The world needs you. So what God-given dreams do you have for the kingdom? Is there a dream that God is giving you? Is there a dream that might have been lost? Is there a dream about to be born? Dream. Dream big for Jesus. We need people in this church. We've heard from the wonderful thing that Dorothy built, that if we are to, that's a massive dream. That was born somewhere and God is making it happen. We need people who will dream big dreams for God and be willing to pay the price for change. The past it might have caused pain. I understand that. Though my past has been incredibly painful, but I'm amazed what God has done since the day I met him. The losses may be hard to bear, but when we keep God in our plans and dare to dream again, the new dream will bring hope, healing, and joy at the prospect of a new tomorrow. 
Just because of what's gone to pass, painful as it's been, it doesn't mean that you don't have a bright and beautiful future. Because there will be suffering. There has been suffering. I know there are people in this church that have been through difficult and horrible times. People are grieving. People are waiting for babies. People are waiting for their partners to come. There's financial crisis. There's illness in the suffering. It's hard. Hard times can either develop us or destroy us. We choose which one it will be. We have a, a, a choice to make. We have a part to play. And have you ever noticed how different people respond to the same circumstances? I've just, God's just given me an image of, um, so if there is a disaster in the world, you just show me a collapse of a stadium. I think there was something a few years ago in the news where there was a, there was a concert or it was a rave and the whole thing collapsed. Many people ran towards but many people ran away. God wants you to run towards the things that he's calling you to, not to be afraid because he's got you right in the palm of his hand. Because you see, some people grow more focused while others fall apart or are even destroyed by the ordeal. How we respond to our circumstances depends on our perspective. Are we God-centered or are we trouble-centered? That's something to ponder on, isn't it? In John 10.10, 10, sorry. Sorry. In John 10.10, 10, it says, now this has been preached over the last few weeks, I don't know how many times, and I believe it's a message to the church. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Full life or a snatched away life. Because the devil, he knows what is to come in your life. He knows the dreams that are being born and birthed. He knows the dreams that have fallen away. Don't let him divide us. Don't let him take away what you have in your heart for Jesus. Because the devil is on the move. He, in, not just in this church, but globally, we are in a, an oppressed season in the world. There is darkness is trying to reign. Don't let him win. And I stand in the pulpit with God's authority and I bind him because you have a bright and beautiful future in the kingdom of heaven. Don't let him snatch your dreams away. Don't let the little foxes get in. You see, you're letting the past influence your future. It's time to dream again. You know, we heard from Dave Baskey last week that he or she who dares to believe wins. It's all about faith. It's all about belief. It's time to stand and fight. And as just said, resist the devil in all of his ways. He can't have your dreams. It's your choice to stand and fight. We're in the battle, but you are spiritually strong. And if you're not, get there, because we're here to help you. Because this vision for this church, it's on the wall here, where we're heading. We see an enthusiastic, vibrant and edgy church growing in West Bridgeford that brings birth, strong births. Remember, it's a dream. Births, strong congregations in Runson, Cockgrave, 
and Keyworth, and you are part of that dream. You are part of that vision. It's not just the people that stand at the front or in the leadership. Every single one of us has a part to play. God's not done with you, no matter what the thief tells you. When God's in it, nothing can change his plan or purpose for our lives. Persevere. Don't hang on, press on. Pastor Ali, before he went on a sabbatical, was very clear about this, and we have done that. You should be very proud of yourselves as a church. We have thrived. We haven't just survived. We've thrived and we've grown. Consider the following. Instead of a can't do it, you can choose to think, I can do all things through Christ. That's Philippians 4.13. Instead of this is impossible, you can think nothing is impossible with God. That's Matthew 19.26. Instead of what if it doesn't work out, you can think, what if it does work out? I've been there many times going, oh, I can't do it, Lord. I can't do it, what you're asking me to do. And all he simply says is, trust me. The truth is that anytime you follow a dream that God puts on your heart, you do have a part to play seeing it happen. You will have to plan. It's not going to drop into your lap. You'll have to make sacrifices. It's true, but they will be the best sacrifices that you will make. You'll need to persevere on days when you feel like giving up, when you just want to quit, when you want to go back to bed, pull the quilt over your head and go, no. But God will never ask you to do something without giving you the ability to do it. And the good news is, is when your power seems insufficient, God's power is sufficient. If you will do what he simply asks you to do, God will be faithful in his part. Your part, he will be faithful in his. So don't give up on your dream when you feel too weak or incapable. Remember that God promises us this, and it's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And the other thing is just dropped into me. No matter how old we are, from the littlest to the eldest, God has a dream. Look at Abraham and Sarah, age 90 and 99. That baby that was born, the one that was promised, Isaac, he went on to marry Rebecca who birthed Jacob, who became Israel. He was in the direct line of Jesus. That is the golden thread of the cross in the Old Testament. Kathy talked about this, the love story that is the Bible, but the cross is the golden thread. From, from the beginning to the end, from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is the golden thread. Let me ask you, do you see points to giving up in your journey with Jesus. Do you want to quit? I do. <laughs> there are times when I do, when it gets too much, and I say, Lord, I can't keep going the way that I am. And he says, yes, you can. Yes, you can. When my life lay in tatters seven years ago, the day that I gave my life to Jesus, only seven years ago, I've been on the most amazing journey. It's a dream come true. And I'm not exclusive to that. I was ready to end my life. I was suicidal. I decided how I was going to do it. I got my boy. I was going to leave. I was desperate, desperate to leave the earth. My dreams had crashed and burned. 
I was physically and emotionally burnt out. Then my breakthrough came the day, as I say, I looked at the cross. And I saw what it truly meant for the first time. It was the bridge of grace and the path to life. Jesus took me from utterly broken to redeemed, restored and whole. He put multiple new dreams in my heart. If you'd have told me seven years ago that I would be stood on a platform preaching, I'd have been like, what, me? No, Lord, you've got the wrong person. But God is good. That's my walk. That's my journey. But he's got a dream for you too. But what it took was my heart and an undying commitment to God and for me simply to say yes. A commitment to keep on keeping on even when I didn't feel like it, even when I wanted to do more than just quit. I've got an example in the past week. I'm at Bible college. I went off and did my focus week back in um, the beginning of October. And it's tough going Bible college. It's hard. It's fast paced. And I sat I was all set up. I've got my computer on ready for my lectures. I've got, I'm not kidding, my stack of books for this module is probably nearly as tall as me. It's like here, and that's not a lie. And I burst into tears, and I place planted into place, face planted into my books. I went, I don't want to do it anymore. I can't do it anymore, Lord. Yes, you can. Because he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. I don't feel <laughs> right now that that's the case, but I've got to keep keeping on. Band, you can come up. Where are you? Thank you. And sometimes I wonder if I could ask the great men and women in the Bible of all of their suffering and all of their breaking points and quitting points, if I were to ask them, was it worth it? What do you think that their response would be? Yes, it was. I don't, we don't know that for sure, but I think they would say, Claire, more than you will ever know. Wow. Imagine this. Samuel, after being anointed while tending his father's sheep. Sorry. After being anointed by Samuel while tending his father's sheep, David, King David, must have dreamt about what it would have, liked, what it would have been like to be king. Joseph, while wearing a coat of many colours, must have dreamt about what the favour on his life could mean. Mary, pregnant with the Messiah, must have dreamed about the upcoming joys of motherhood. And I love this. Paul, I'm deep in the letters of uh, Corinthians, Galatians, and, uh, just imagining Paul traveling on ships from city to city. Paul must have dreamed about what the early church could become. Can you imagine if you could see this? If you had a glimpse as he parted from heaven and saw what Jesus had done and he was the catalyst, traveling from country to country, town to town, preaching the gospel, writing letters of love and encouragement to all the people for what the church would be today. It's quite a mind-blowing thought. Wow, I wonder what you can do for God today. What dreams is he birthing in your heart? What dreams is he resurrecting? What is it he's planning into flame this morning? Now to end Joyce Meyer, she says this. I love Joyce Meyer. Dreaming big dreams is part of our spiritual DNA. It's rooted in hope and it's fueled by faith. God doesn't allow us just to dream. He created us to dream big, think big, imagine big, 
and make big plans for our lives. If your dreams have died, have hope because God says in Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. Be reassured that God knows what we need, who we need and when we need it. He sees the bigger picture. Dare to dream again. Trust God with your dreams. Trust him. I hear him saying in my spirit, Claire, ask them to trust me because I've got something for you. You are worthy. You are seen. I love you. I have got a plan. I have a purpose and I desperately want you to fulfill it. You might be poorly and you might think that's not for you. God has got something for you. You might be coming maybe to the end of your natural life on earth. We don't know when we're going to go, but as we get older, there's still a dream. There are still things that you can do for God. Don't give up because be reassured God knows what we need. Keep telling you that. So let me encourage you, dare to dream. Dream about where God can take you. Dream about what God can still teach you. Dream about how God can change your situation. I am an example of that. And if you want to know my testimony, I will tell it again and again because there is hope in every situation. He will heal you and he will fulfill you. Dream about how high high you can go and how many people you can help. If you will start dreaming, you will see your joy increase. Ask God to give you a dream that will bless not only your life, but the lives of others. And then taking one step at a time, do what he puts in your heart to do and trust him to do the rest. Amen.